Welcome to Texas BioBytes by Texas Biomed. I'm Lisa Cruz. In this episode, we're talking about the new coronavirus. It has infected more than 75,000 people as of February 24th. With the new coronavirus impacting millions of lives and economies worldwide, it's important that scientists play a role in discussing the international response, as well as the next steps in developing diagnostics, therapies, and vaccines for future outbreaks. There's a lot of information we're reading and hearing that may be misleading. Today's experts are here to get you on track with what you need to know. So let's begin. Sitting here with me is Professor, President, and CEO of Texas Biomedical Research Institute, Dr. Larry Schlesinger. Also with me is Professor and Virologist, Dr. Jean Patterson, and Texas Biomed's newest faculty member, Professor and Virologist, Dr. Luis Martinez Sobrito. Welcome to Texas BioBytes. Dr. Patterson, let's start with some basic background on the new coronavirus. What is it? When was it initially discovered? Tell us a little bit about it. This virus is called a coronavirus. It's a family of viruses that we knew in the past caused the common cold. Um, we've subsequently learned with two other viruses that are coronavirus SARS and MERS that they can cause serious pneumonias and upper respiratory illness. It was discovered at the end of 2019 in Wuhan province in uh, China. They believe it came out of a live animal market it may have been introduced by people to the animals or the other way around. We don't know that yet. It is about 80% similar to the SARS virus, which was discovered in China as well, and it is potentially lethal. When you say that we're not sure if the virus started in humans and went to animals or animals to humans, what is that process? Well, th this particular outbreak, we, we assume that this came from an animal, but we don't know whether this particular outbreak came because some people went to the market and introduced it into the animals or the animals brought it with them. But we do know it's a zoonotic disease, meaning it's jump species. It's what we call spillover. It spills over into the human uh, population from animals. And you've done some work on the SARS virus. In what ways is this novel coronavirus similar to SARS? It's similar in that it's believed to come out of bats originally, and it's also similar in, a, in its homology in its genome. So it's, it's very closely related to SARS virus. With what you know of the coronavirus and the developments gained from studying and researching SARS, why do you think there's a lower mortality rate for coronavirus compared to SARS? Good question. Maybe it's a 20% difference in the homology in the genome that causes the, the lower mortality. It seems to be more infectious than SARS because we only had 8,000 cases of SARS when it died out and 800 deaths, which is, so it's about a 10% mortality. And this thing is obviously moving much quicker and infecting more people in a shorter period of time. So it's, it's more infectious. Dr. Martinez-Sabrito, understanding that this virus, this new coronavirus, is very similar to SARS, it's also showing similarities to influenza. Can you explain to us the differences and the similarities between the new coronavirus and influenza? Well, this is a new coronavirus uh, is uh, similar to SARS since uh, they belong to the same family of viruses that are coronavirus, but it's very similar to influenza because it causes a respiratory disease. And it seems like this virus transmits more similarly to influenza than it does to other coronavirus. And that's why people recommend uh, uh, strongly that you follow with this virus the same precautions that you will do with influenza. That is, wash your hands often, try to not get in, obviously, in contact with uh, people that might be infected. 
Try not to touch your mouth, your nose, your uh, eyes with your hands. Clearly, if you feel sick, obviously contact your physician immediately and also try to not uh, get in, in, to in contact with other people just in case uh, that you are infected with the novel coronavirus or unlikely but most likely with influenza. Now that being said, uh, there is a, a big uh, concern about this novel coronavirus, but people that do not remember that it's still influenza worldwide cause like uh, three to five million uh, cases with 250 to 500,000 uh, deaths annually, uh, just 15,000 to 30,000 in the United States. Now uh, with influenza, uh, we have vaccines and antivirals, but these vaccines are not efficient because we need to get vaccinated every year. We don't have an universal vaccine, and that's why research is so important. So really, for people to minimize their chances of getting sick right now, it's most important that people get their flu shot, correct? Flu shot works. It's not perfect. There is always way from improvement, and that's something that we want to do here in Texas Biomed, and that's what our laboratory is working to get a universal vaccine for influenza. So you will get a vaccine once, and then you will not have to be vaccinated again. Still, the flu shot or the life, the flu mist that we get annually, it works, but it's far from ideal, and that's what we're trying to improve. What are scientists at Texas Biomed trying to discover? Well, there are a variety of projects. One that I'm interested in is developing a much faster diagnostic kit that we can see at an end point of care. So you can do it right there rather than having to send samples out. As scientists begin to study the virus, is there a number one question researchers are asking? Yes, how to stop it. Dr. Martinez Sabrito, you're a virologist with a focus on molecular biology and immunology. Can you explain to us how a virus like this one attacks the human body? So we still don't know how the virus is able to transmit between humans. As uh, Jim mentioned before, it seems like this virus transmits more like flu, not like the previous SARS outbreak in 2002. Um, one of the things that we are interested to do in our laboratory is to develop an infectious clone of the virus uh, that we will generate uh, using reverse genetic techniques. This will allow us to recreate the virus in the laboratory and remove pieces of the viruses that we know that are important for causing pathogenicity. And then these viruses will be attenuated and could be used as a potential vaccine for the treatment of these viral infections. So one question that we actually get quite a bit is, what's the difference between a therapy then and a vaccine? Vaccine is to prevent you to get infected for the virus. So the idea of, uh, behind a vaccine is that you develop a type of adapted immunity, mainly antibodies and T-cell responses. So when you encounter the virus, your body will be able to protect you against this viral infection. On the other hand, we have what we call antivirals, and that's to protect you or to, or, or to control the virus once you are infected. Explain to us how scientists go about building a vaccine for this new coronavirus. So the first thing we need probably is to get access to the virus, and that's something that we have recently done here at Texas Biomed. We have been able to obtain the virus from the Center of Disease Control through the Bay Resources of the Biodefense and Emergency Infectious uh, Repository. Now we are expanding currently the virus. We are trying to hopefully 
come out with an attenuated form of the virus that after testing in the animal models that uh, Jean and colleagues have developed here at Texas Biomed, they can be used to as a potential vaccine to control the virus. From our end, we are trying to develop an infectious clone that again is the allow us to manipulate the virus and remove pieces that we know that are important for the virus to cause disease. And those viruses will be attenuated and hopefully we can use them as a vaccines. So you mentioned animal models. Uh, Dr. Patterson, what is the importance of the right animal model for testing these new vaccines and therapies that we could potentially be creating? It's important that the animal model in some ways resembles the course of disease that you see in humans. You want it to look like a human infection. In some cases, you want to develop a lethal model that you know it goes on to cause fatality. That hasn't been possible with either SARS or MERS to date. So we're looking more for models that show the significant respiratory illness. And then we can show if we can block the respiratory illness with either vaccines or treatments. Dr. Schlesinger, as a physician who's seen many patients sick from a variety of diseases, is it possible for people to be sick and infect others with this new coronavirus, but never show symptoms themselves? It does appear that way. It appears there evidence that there are so-called asymptomatic individuals who uh, have no clinical manifestations of a viral syndrome, but can potentially pass uh, the virus on to someone else. And that, that was an early, a very important moment, which made us more concerned about its transmissibility worldwide. So you use the term clinical manifestations. Explain to us what a clinical manifestation of the disease is. The problem with these viruses, and Dr. Patterson said it early on, this has historically been the type of virus that can cause the common cold or so-called upper respiratory infection or URI. Uh, And even today, the symptoms are really of a cold that you could not distinguish it from other common viral syndromes. So, you know, cough, fever, respiratory symptoms in general, that's what makes it so challenging because it's hard to distinguish it. But in an outbreak situation, everything has to do with the epidemiology. That is where where was the individual? Certainly if they were in the Hubei province or in Wuhan city, there's a high suspicion that this is coronavirus. But in taking a history from a patient, one would want to know early on where that patient has been and if there's any risk. Is the method of care different for those who have the coronavirus than someone who has the flu? Basically, no. One advantage we have is that it is a relative of SARS and other coronaviruses, and there have been some so-called antivirals, some medication, which have some efficacy. And although I don't know this for a fact, some of the more serious cases may be given those antivirals, and it's too early to know how effective they are. We certainly don't have any specific new therapies for this virus, but that's what's being tried. But generally, it's supportive care. What do you recommend to ease the fears of people here in San Antonio, knowing that we have patients who have been transported here, to ease the fears of those folks living here in San Antonio? You know, everything I know makes me quite confident that individuals who are infected with this coronavirus are being handled very carefully and in close accordance with CDC recommendations, certainly at Lackland. The individuals taking care of these patients care about these patients. And first and foremost, we do need to take care of these patients and make sure they get healthy and try to avoid a death. 
but they're being appropriately isolated and handled uh, well. We are all concerned about the virus in the general population, and so are the physicians taking care of these patients. So I think the right steps are being taken. In some cases, it sounds aggressive, but we're in the middle of an outbreak. We have concerns for the individual patient, but we also have concerns for the population. It's pretty clear now that 28 countries are involved that this is really becoming quite widespread, but still there's an attempt by many individuals and a worldwide effort to try to reduce the level of transmission, slow this outbreak down. What role do you believe Texas Biomed will have in the new coronavirus outbreak and future outbreaks for that matter? Texas Biomed is here to protect you, your families, and the global community from the threat of infectious diseases. Our ultimate goal, our vision, our passion is to eradicate infectious diseases in the world. How do we do this? We do this by having outstanding scientists working every day on learning more about what causes infection. And of course, a lot of the fever and the cough is our body's immune system responding to these viruses. So what are the underlying mechanisms that allow for a virus to cause disease? This will really give us the discoveries necessary to bring new diagnostic tests, new therapies, and vaccines to market. And I'm excited by the team effort going on at Texas Biomed today with new initiative in individuals who are very talented, my colleagues here on the panel today, to conduct new studies to understand how we might get to a new therapy and a new vaccine. Perhaps even more importantly is our focus on new animal models. Remember to bring anything to market we really do need what are called preclinical studies, and an effective animal model is essential. We in the past have identified such models, and I think there's tremendous expertise to identifying a better model for this coronavirus going forward. You've been listening to Texas Biobites from Texas Biomed. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. You can find us on the most popular podcast platforms or simply log on to our website, txbiomed.org, and search for podcasts. There, you can sign up to have the podcast delivered to your email inbox every two weeks. At Texas Biomed, we love sharing our science. I'm Lisa Cruz. Thank you for listening.